Broadcasting from Charlotte, North Carolina on Sports Byline USA. Uniting sports fans everywhere, this is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. I'm not sure that God really cares about my comfort or my happiness so much as he does my holiness and my surrender to him. For the next hour, we will unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. You're going to be defined as a man, as a husband, as a father. When you take the uniform off, who is that guy? Bringing you high energy and thought-provoking sports talk with a purpose. When you're around somebody that has that joy and you can feel it and it's contagious. Now, from his mic to your ears, this is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to Unpacking It, where we unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson. So glad to be with you today on Sports Byline USA, Sirius XM Channel 211, Dan Patrick Radio, the TuneIn Radio app, the iHeartRadio app, and the American Forces Network. Thanks for listening. We've got an awesome show in store today. We will be joined in just a little bit by the head coach at Arizona State, Herm Edwards. You know him from ESPN, and he was a former NFL coach as well with the New York Jets and the Kansas City Chiefs, and now he has taken over the program at Arizona State. And so we'll hear uh, what things are like there and his philosophy on coaching and hear a little bit about his, his faith and life as well. Then coming up later on today, we'll be joined by the chaplain for the Charlotte Hornets. His name is Colin Pinckney, and he's going to give us some insight into what it's like being a chaplain in the NBA. And, and so we'll have a great conversation with him. And then also, the final segment of the show is Unpack This, and today's topic is about Noah Syndergaard and what he was able to accomplish for the New York Mets, and how it relates to our own lives. So you'll definitely want to stick around for that. Uh, be sure to check out our website, unpackingit.com. There you can sign up to subscribe to our devotional as well as our podcast. And so that, again, is unpackingit.com. We're just getting started. I'm Bryce Johnson. This is Unpacking It. The head coach of Arizona State, Herm Edwards, joins us next. Inspiring conversations and intriguing interviews. More Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson after this. Bringing you unique insight into the faith and character of guests from the sports world. Welcome back to Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. It's Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson. Check out our website, unpackingit.com. Let's welcome on our first guest and join us now is the head football coach at Arizona State, Herm Edwards. In his first season with the team, they went 7-6 and six and went to a bowl game from 2009 to 2017. He was an analyst for ESPN. He also played cornerback for 10 seasons in the NFL from 1977 to 1986 with the Eagles, Rams, and Falcons. He's also the former head coach of the Jets and the Chiefs. Most importantly, he's a husband, a father, and a man of faith. 
Coach, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? I'm doing well. Great to be on your show. All right. Well, well can't wait to talk about your, your story, but, but I, I just want to start with the NFL draft. It just took place. And, and so what's your perspective on it now that you're a college coach watching all the festivities? Well, it, it, it's never really changed for me. It's, it's a great opportunity, um, regardless. A lot of these young men's dreams and, and aspirations is to, is to be part of the National Football League. So now they get an opportunity. And, and that's what the National Football League is about. It's about opportunity. And I think the thing they'll realize um, very quickly, pro football is not a hobby. Mm. Not a hobby. It's your profession. And uh, every day is a competitive environment. And that's the one thing they'll learn. No question about it. So we're talking with Coach Herm Edwards, and, and so you're heading into your, your second season at Arizona State. So how are you feeling this time around compared to this time last year? Well, you know, coming in last year, there was so much to be said about the hiring. Uh, and what I was concerned with was not so much myself, but uh, the outside voices uh, capturing our room, in other words, the players as well as the coaches. And the thing that I had to make sure I I established right away is uh, my first meeting with all of them. I said, "Look, you're going to have to you're going to have to let me earn your trust. I want to earn your trust as your head coach." And I said, "Hopefully, you won't let the outside noises influence you." Uh, And luckily, uh, they did not. Uh, They actually listened to the voice in the room, and it was mine. Hmm. And I think uh, through the course of the year, I earned their trust, uh, along with the coaches and players. And when you reflect on it last year compared to this year and you've gone through it already and a lot of these guys have come back we've kind of established a culture which mm. is very very important and and what would you say that culture is what when you set out to to take over this program to, to build the program what did you want this culture to be well we wanted it to be a, a very a, a complete process of a student athlete mm. of a student athlete that was very the experience of being a student athlete. I think is very important because you only get one time in your life to do this. That's right. And I'm talking about the whole experience, not just the football part of it, uh, because then you're cutting them short. We have a certain standard of what we try to live by, and it starts with me. It's we want to be on time for everything, mm. and this is big, biblical now. Words and actions do they match up? Mm. It's on the back of everyone's shirt as they work out. Do your words and actions match up every day? And then the last one is compete. If you do those three things and you do them consistently, and that's part of your DNA, I believe that you have a chance to be successful in life. It's strong. And, and really that, that saying, do, do the words and actions uh, live up to each other, uh, that, that's relevant to all of us and anybody listening today. So what does that mean to you and, and how do you demonstrate that yourself and, and how do you get that to be ingrained into the, the culture and, and into your team? Well, it's, it's when you're the man you know, that, that's leading, let's say, the, the, the band, um, it starts with you, mm. with everything you do and say. It has to match up. It really does. It's, it's called integrity. Uh, that's right. And, you know, eventually what we do in the dark comes to the light. Mm. And every time you stand and I stand before these young men, I have to make sure that what comes out of my mouth, my actions match it up. And it's very consistent. You know, people want consistency. Mm. You know, I think when you sit in a leadership role, I think the most powerful message you can send anyone is you give them the message of hope. It's a powerful word, hope. It gives you energy. It gives you a vision. It gives you an understanding that we have a chance. And, uh, you know, life is about that, chances and opportunities. That's good. Coach Herm Edwards, our guest right now on Unpacking It, head football coach at Arizona State. 
And and so let, let's go into the the decision making process for you where, when you took over the, this job at Arizona State. Of course, leaving ESPN, uh, what role did your faith play into ultimately deciding to get back into coaching? And and what was kind of just the, the the mindset and process like for you? Well, I've always tried to live you live my life by by faith, not by sight. And um, you're always pulled in different directions. Um, emotionally sometimes and and I took the emotion out of it it was really it was just it was a perfect situation for me I've had other opportunities to come back it was never the right fit mm. but visiting with the AD and uh, the president of university it, it was it was in to my best interest when I sat down and listened to these men talk about what they were trying to do and um, the culture they were trying to build here was exciting to me and I missed it, to be quite honest. I miss being a part of young people's lives. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, it's a wonderful thing when you can, when you go back as you, in your history as a coach, and this has happened to me numerous times, uh, where players uh, at the pro level, as well as the college level, I was in college for three years, they come back to you and they say, Coach, you don't, what, you don't understand how much you meant to us as a man and the things you taught us. So you, you, you miss that. You, you miss being around it. Um, you miss the... Uh, the everyday inner works of coaches and players, and this is all you've ever done. Mm. You know, my life was was very fortunate. I was a pretty good athlete and, and gained a scholarship and played football and uh, went into the National Football League. And lo and behold, 30 years later, <laughs> you know, that's all I've ever done. And then they asked me to come on television and talk about football, put makeup on and talk about <laughs> football. I said, I can do that too. And so I, I tell people all the time, I've never had a job. I've been on recess my whole life. Uh. <laughs> I, I love it. Well, but but you take the the impact very seriously as far as you know what you can do in the lives of these these student athletes. Oh. And, and so, for you, uh, you know, uniquely designed. It, what do you feel like you bring to the table or you bring to these guys' lives? Like, what are some of the just the common things where you feel like that that that's the value that you, Coach Herm Edwards, brings to a, an individual? Some of the you know just the characteristics that you represent that you feel like you can really you know, in part on them? Well, look, you know, any coach would tell you that no coach has ever given a player talent. Hmm. God gives them talent. That's right. Now, what you do is you make sure they don't waste their talent. Uh, And that's one thing you bring to the table is that you're not going to be allowed to waste your talent. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to make you live up to your potential. Uh, Once we determine the standard of and your potential – this is what you want to do, then I'm going to make you live up to it, and I'm going to hold you accountable for that. And then I think this, I think it's very, very important that um, if they leave your watch, not better men, you failed them. Mm. Because eventually, if they do not become pro football players, and even if they do become pro football players, that's their occupation. That's right. That doesn't define who you are as a man. Mm. And I've always said that. The title that you, that you hold in life, your working title, that doesn't, don't, that, don't let that define you. You're mm-hmm. going to be defined as a man, as a husband, as a father, as a community servant. I mean, those are the things that will really define you. Your career is your career, that's, but that's not who you are. Mm-hmm. Who are you when, you when you take the uniform off? Who is that guy, mm-hmm. right? And, and, if, and if all those things you have to deal with in life, um, if you fail in those, no one's going to, and it's not going to matter about your football career. How hard is it to get that message across? Well, I, I think that, that you know, young people today, uh, they're gatherers of information. 
Mm. And there's so much information out there. But I think this, young people want consistency. They want a message that is true every day. And they can see it. My message is, is visual. They see the head coach every day. They see my actions on the practice field. They see it during game time. Um, they see it all day. I'm in this building all the time, and I'm around my players. And, and they see me, and, and they watch how I interact with players, coaches, um, uh, my family when they're in the building, other people's families. They see that every day. If I don't, stand, if I don't live up to the standard that I'm setting, that's a bad image. That's mm. a bad view. And so, you know, I understand that because, you know, that's the standard I choose to live, live by. Amen. So we're going to take a quick break, but we are just getting started with Herm Edwards, head coach at Arizona State, former ESPN broadcaster, former NFL coach. More with him right after this on Unpacking It. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. We're back here on Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson. Check out our website, unpackingit.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast as well as our email devotional. goes out each weekday, and you can subscribe for free at unpackingit.com. We're in the middle of a conversation with the head coach at Arizona State, Herm Edwards. And you know him from ESPN. You know him as a former NFL coach. And now he's really leading and pouring into the, the the young college football players and is doing a great job and is off to a wonderful start heading into year number two. And we continue with him now. And and you mentioned the uh, having to put makeup on and talk football. But, but what, what do you miss most about being on TV as an analyst? Well, the impact you have in people's homes. You don't realize how many people that you're speaking to when the red light comes on. That's right especially when you first start, you don't realize that. And I think the thing that caught me by surprise is that you become this recognized guy for whoever you are, however people perceive you are on television. And it's kind of interesting because the first year I took the job recruiting and going and sitting in people's living rooms with, with mom and dad or sometimes grandma, whoever the guardian was, or sometimes the neighbors would even come over. Hmm. And you sit there and 10 minutes into the conversation, the question always comes up. They say, Coach, can we ask you one question? And I say, go right ahead. They say, you know, you're just like the guy on television. <laughs> and I look at him, I go, yeah, well, that's kind of who I am. <laughs> you know, it's almost like they say, was that guy really on television? The same guy? Yeah, he's the same guy. So to me, that, that, that's a good thing for me. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, I reflect something to them, and I've had a lot of families tell me, say, Coach, the one thing we understood about you when you were on television, regardless of the subject, you you seem to be the voice of reason. And to me, that's 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 quite humbling when they when they tell you that. Coach Herm Edwards, head coach at Arizona State, joining us here on Unpacking It. And uh, we, we love talking football on the show, but but also uh, love talking uh, about faith and, and know that, that you're uh, a believer in, in Jesus and a follower of Jesus. And so as you look back at your faith journey, what were some of the the tougher seasons of life that really developed your, your faith, developed your dependence on God? 
Well, I, I think as you, as you have this walk and you walk by faith, not by sight, um, you realize there's going to be things to test your faith. And for me, it was very vivid. Um, you know, you live in a world that's very competitive, very, very competitive, and you've lived in that world for 30 years. And um, although you're teammates and you respect each other, uh, you can never be influenced um, in the wrong way. And, and I think when you stand as a man of faith and it's consistent, people respect you. Mm. Now, they might not all be people of faith, but they, they respect you for it. And, you, and, and maybe the toughest thing is that when you're in that world and it's so competitive and there's so many different things coming at you, um, you could be influenced. Um, do you make mistakes? Yeah, we make mistakes. Um, but you can't be a, a, a repeat offender, what I call it. Mm. You know, and because it's, 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 it, they, they look at you when you say you're a man of faith and they watch, people watch you. Well, how is he going to react when things are bad? Is he going to change his demeanor? What's going to come out of his mouth? Is he going to blame other people? All those things that you, you're well aware of, you can't allow that to happen. Mm. You have to be consistent. And I, and I think probably the biggest challenge for me and when I was really tested was my first year uh, with, in the, with the New York Jets when, uh, when we had 9-11 hit after our first game. And we together as a team decided um, we weren't going to play. Oh, yeah. we, were going to forfeit, we were going to forfeit the football game if we had to play. And that was a moment where, you know, you, you, you sit there and as head coach and, you know, the league's going to play. And you, uh, as I walked into my room on that Tuesday and watched those planes run into that building, I knew in my mind, I said, well, we can't play. It's time to pray. We need to come together as a country. Yeah. And I'm going to tell my football team, if you guys don't want to play, the head coach, I got your back. And regardless of what happens to me, I could have got fired. Yeah, yeah. By saying we were, I didn't really care hmm. at that point, you know. And I, I think there's times that it's always tested, but I, if you stand true to your faith, it always just it works out. It just it, it always works out. And 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 how important is it for for you as a a coach recognizing the the platform that, that you have, especially with, with college kids and, and mm-hmm. you know, this stage of life where they're trying to figure out what direction they're going to go in, in life. Sure. What, what's that like? Just the, the weight of that and, and the, the opportunity that, that you have. I enjoy it. Yeah, I really do. Because it makes you, it, it makes you stay consistent. It mm-hmm. really does because you have no choice. You know, if, if you decided, if you profess to be a man of faith, look, and I, I, I had one of my, uh, most exciting moments here uh, Saturday night. Uh, they had a big Catholic um, uh, fundraiser of over 800, and and both bishops were there. And to to sit there and and you know profess my faith that that was very exciting for me as a coach. You know, and uh, I think the Catholic community uh, they knew they were getting a Catholic coach and. I've never talked to those those folks, you know, I've been the football coach, but they saw the other side of the football coach. And I think that was very very important. No, that's a, to be that that vocal and outspoken and and, and consistent. I, I love that word that that you continue to use. Uh it's hard to find in, in people these days. It really is. And so when people Well, we'll compromise we 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 will compromise yeah. rather than telling the truth. That's true. The the truth always sets us free. And the last Amen. time I checked, when you tell the truth, you only have to say it one time. <laughs> you never have to chase it anymore. You never have to worry about what you said. It's been said. I love it. <laughs> That's great. Coach Herm Edwards, our, our guest right now on Unpacking It. Earlier we were talking a little bit just about your character and, and what you represent as a, as a coach. 
if I ask you to describe the character of God, what, what comes to mind? And in what ways has he revealed his character to you? He was a servant. Mm. <laughs> he was a servant. That's right. He humbled himself. He was a humble servant. Yeah. And, and sometimes we lose sight of that. I mean, I mean he, he, he went to the cross for all of us. Amen. I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, and, and you think about who, who would do that? That's right. I mean, right now, if you had to do that, would you really go do that? That's right. I mean, you know, that, that's what I always tell myself. You know, I go, you know, I have this little thing that, you know, I, I, I kind of read every morning that says, Lord, uh, help me follow you as my coach. Mm. So in turn, I can faithfully coach others. Wow. So he's my coach. That's right. No, that, that's important. And, and so him as your, your coach, what, what has he been teaching you recently? We'll, we'll, we'll continue to continue to walk in his light and in his footsteps. And, and uh, when, when you make mistakes, and obviously we do, you, you say it. You know, anytime I, I, I get out of character, um, I can remember during the practice, I got out of character a little bit with a player. And nothing, not language, which just raised my voice in a tone where I, I knew I kind of went, you know, I shouldn't have done that. And I can remember after practice, I'm the head coach. You know, the head coach can almost do what he wants. And I can remember after practice, when we came up, I called that young man up in the middle of the, in the, and brought him to me, to the middle of everybody. I said, hey, guys, I lost my composure today in practice, mm. and I'm apologizing to this young man. I mean, those are the things you do. Did I have to do that? No. Mm. But if I want my team to be a team that, that plays with poise and, and when moments of, of anxiety arise, they stay calm, then I have to stay calm. That's right. Even in practice. And, uh, you know, that was a point where I could have let it go. No one would have said anything. It was the head coach or it was a coach being a coach. But it was a teaching moment. It was a teaching moment for me, and I grabbed it and said, you know what? This is where I'm going to apologize because I was out of character. That, and so, I mean, cool. when, when you catch yourself in those moments, you have an opportunity to use your platform. What, what, what kind of impact did that, that have on the player and, and well, even other players? Well, I, 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 I think that, you know, the players kind of went, well, that's why he's coach. <laughs> you know, I mean, they, 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 when I do things like that anymore, I think they're almost, they're almost expecting it. Yeah. Because they say that's who, that's who our coach is. That's cool. E- even after uh, only one year with the team, they, they already yeah. they, they get it. They're buying yeah. in. Uh, and, and it's exciting to see what the uh, the future holds for Arizona State with uh, head coach Herm Edwards in charge. And and coach, my uh, my final question for you today. Uh, I've been asking my my guests this recently. Uh, I'm a, a soon to be dad for the first time, oh. and, and so you're oh. a, you're a father of three. So so what kind of yeah. wisdom can you can you share with me and our listeners today? Well, I, I'll tell you this, um, and I learned this from my good friend Tony Dungy uh, when he lost his son. Uh, in that in that tragic uh, situation that took place, hmm. um, I was one of the first guys he called. I've known Tony since 1977. We came in into football together, yeah. played in all star games together, and I coached with him on staffs when I was in Tampa and in Kansas City. And I can remember on the phone when we were talking, and it was one of the hardest days of my life when I talked to him. And you know, I went there for for the service, but the last thing he said, he said, "Herm," he said, "I'm gonna just tell you this." I didn't hug him enough. Mm. Wow. So that's what I leave with you. Yeah. You can't hug him enough. You can't. Man. Because all of a sudden they grow up and you go, what just happened? Mm. 
I mean, my girls now are 12 and 13. My son's in his 30s, and I look at my daughters, and I make sure every day I hug them. Ah, that's cool. You just can't. So don't, if you have a son, a daughter, whatever, don't take it. Early, you want to hug them. It's easy. And then when you get a little older, you get caught up in, because we're all pressed for time. And, and you know, you can't hug them enough. Wow. Simple yet powerful. And, and yeah. leaves a lasting uh, impact on, on kids, for sure. No, that's encouraging to hear, because I just think about my own parents hugging me. So, so I, uh, yeah. I definitely get that. That's, that's awesome. Well, well, Coach, man, so great to talk with you. Really appreciate your, uh, your heart and passion, and thanks for sharing that with us today on Unpacking It. Thank you, my friend. God bless you now. All right, you too. He's Herm Edwards. So encouraging. Up next, we'll be joined by NBA chaplain Colin Pinkney right here on Unpacking It. Going beyond the field, this is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson on Sports Byline USA. Hey, hey, it's Bryce Johnson, and really appreciate you listening to the Unpacking It radio show each week. But I want to invite you to check out our website, unpackingit.com, so that you can sign up to receive Unpacking It each day in your email. That's right. We send out an encouraging, challenging, inspiring word uh, through email. It's, it's in written form. It's a, a devotional that takes a current sports story, relates it to the Bible. We call it Unpack This, and you can subscribe for free by going to unpackingit.com. It's designed to help you grow in your faith and, and help you understand the Bible better, all with a little sports and some of the cool stories going on in the world of sports. And so we encourage you to check it out. It's for you, and it's about two minutes each weekday in your inbox. Check it out, unpackingit.com, and subscribe to Unpack This. And while you're at it, be sure to subscribe to our podcast as well. Bringing you unique insight into the faith and character of guests from the sports world. Welcome back to Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Thanks so much for joining us on Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson. Our website is unpackingit.com. And if you missed any part of our interview with Herm Edwards, it was awesome. And, and so you can check out unpackingit.com or listen to the podcast anywhere podcasts are found. And I was able to sit down with our next guest at a recent fundraiser golf tournament in Charlotte. And his name is Colin Pinckney, and he leads an organization called the Harvest Center of Charlotte. And they, they reach the homeless in a really awesome way. It's a, it's a hand up, not a handout. And then Colin is also the chaplain for the Charlotte Hornets and, and, and is an NBA chaplain where guys come in before games. And so we'll ask him all about that and, and plenty to get into with him. But it was over at Top Golf. It was awesome. And, and so check out my interview with Colin Pinckney. Colin, glad to see you, man. How are you? I'm great, Bryce. Glad to see you too, man. You get to know a lot of these guys on a, on a personal level, you a do. spiritual level. Yeah. So what's that like as a chaplain? Just kind of watching the NBA through that lens. Yeah, it's it's was it's it's kind of demystifying because I'm a true fan of the game, and I love the team aspect of of sport, NBA teams, and all that. But being a chaplain, you get to sit with guys from both sides. You get to you know 
get a chance to minister and reach out to guys on other teams. And you, and, and you become a fan of the players themselves, of the individual, which at the end of the day, it, it helps remind you that's what I'm here for anyway, oh, yeah. right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm not here. You know, it's okay to root for a team, but at the end of the day, I'm rooting for players. I'm watching this series, and every time I see that guy play, I just think about how it, it, it's a blessing to see a guy who's got that kind of physical talent but also has his head and his heart and his spirit in the right place. That He's, he's also – being a, a superstar, as it were, as, as it were, in the spiritual world, mm, he's a man awesome. of faith, and and I love that about him. And there's others in the league. You know, that's why the playoffs are special because you see the Steph Curry's of the of the league and the Iguodala's, and in the locker room, they're men of faith, and that's that makes it special to get to watch the watch the playoffs and see them out there doing their thing. Well, and plus two, you know what they're going through off the court, and oh, you, yeah. you know the the struggles that that aren't sure. necessarily public, and yeah. And so you watch them not only just compete but overcome some of those, those personal family struggles that, that they're facing. Yeah, you know, and long before there's ever a special on ESPN about the, their dilemmas, you know, sitting with these guys throughout the course of the year, you get to know, you get real sensitive to the fact that they're real men, they're, they're, they're young men, they've got hopes and dreams, and they don't all have to do with basketball. They, right. they talk about their families a lot. Mm. You, know, you know, I always ask them, how can I be praying for you? And, and without fail, they say, pray for my family. Wow. You know, it says a lot about them, that they are still very connected to family, and that means something to them. And, you know, and um, so I, I think if the average fan knew how deeply committed some of these guys are, man, that the NBA could market that to, at a whole nother level, right? Hmm. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate because a lot of times guys who are in the sports arena, when they, you know, when they share their faith, they get ostracized, yeah. as it were, you know. Uh, you think about what Tim Tebow's gone through. Uh, but there are men of faith in the league, and it's great to see them you just talk about regular life and stuff. Yeah, well, because <laughs> there's something about football in the NFL and college football where there is an openness for, for guys and their faith. It just seems yeah. a little bit more common, a little it bit does. more a part right. of the fabric of the sport. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem that same way with basketball and the NBA. Yeah, it doesn't. And, and I'm not sure why that is because a lot of these guys know each other, you know. Interesting. Uh, we've got a couple of guys here today at our tournament. Um, you know, Aaron Curry, he's a he's in a former NFL guy. But he knows a lot of the guys in the, in the NBA. You know, they, they mm-hmm. know each other and they encourage each other. And when they know they're believers – you know, they, they pray for each other. So uh, I'm not quite sure why that is in the NBA because, you know, every NBA team has a chaplain. That's right. That, that, the, you know, and, they, and they, every NBA game, an hour before the game, starts with a chapel service. That's cool. So there, there's a lot of um, faith influence in the league. It's just I'm not quite sure why folks um, don't necessarily get to appreciate that as much about NBA ballplayers as they do as NFL guys. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. fascinated by that. Well, so you mentioned the chapels an hour beforehand. Mm-hmm. What is kind of the, the general theme or format, or what, what do you try to accomplish in that, that time as you lead that? Yeah, well, first the thing I'm very aware of is that these guys are there to play basketball, right? It's, They're focused this on is, that. Uh, this, is their, this is their job. This is work, right? Um, and, and, and being that that's the case, you know, what they understand that they're, they're focused on what they're about to do, uh, but also that they're they're thoughtful enough to know that their faith is important, and in that moment before the game, they break away, you know. And we do a devotional time. It's a very intentional time. It's 20 minutes 
Uh, you know, we give them the word, we pray, we encourage them. I mean, it's, it's much like a small group Bible study. Oh, that's cool. I mean, we literally open up the Bible and, and we share scripture and content and um, we pray. And, and this whole year, this past season, the theme for me and every chaplain does their own thing. Uh, but uh, the whole theme this year, I just focused on prayer. Cool. And we unpacked prayer the entire season in every way we could. Prayers in the Psalms, prayers of the saints, prayers of Christ, and how prayer is such an effectual part of any believer's life. And it's true for them, too. So, so yeah. And you care about these players beyond the, the oh, basketball yeah. court, and regardless of whether they're making shots or not, you're, you're wondering you know, how they're doing spiritually and, and with their families and all that sort of thing. And so as you spend time with, with NBA players, what, what are some of the, the common concerns that, that, that just pop up that, that you you know, meet them in those needs? And, and maybe what are some things that, that, that the average fan doesn't even realize? They, the, the family life for the players, I wish people understood more deeply how much this 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 path this career path that has chosen these guys a lot of times a lot of times these guys aren't choosing to be athletes per se they've been gifted physically six eight yeah they're taller they're bigger they're faster they're good with their hands they got all the mechanics and they follow that path Um, and a lot of times you see what it does to a family Mm. Um, and you know getting close to the prayers i mean the number one prayer request i get from nba ball players when i ask them how can I be praying for you? They never say pray for my contract hmm. or my agent or that I that I get traded or don't get traded because they live with those realities daily. It's a hundred percent of the time they say, "Would you pray for my family? Yeah, pray for my mom, pray for my wife, pray for my girlfriend." It's always those issues. I mean, and those that's when you know everything else is fun and game until you start talking about family. Hmm. And so it's it you know being a professional athlete in the NBA. Uh, where's a lot on a guy? You're talking about an 82 game regular season. Gone a lot. And if you make the playoffs, you know that. And that. And then it really gets crazy because it's like every other night you're playing somewhere and you're going city to city. And that, as glamorous as that may seem to the the the, uh, the average viewer, mm. man, that takes a toll. Yep. And so you know these guys, um, just praying for their families, and hoping that their families are doing well through this. You know the money. Trust me, the money does not solve the problems. <laughs> Creates uh, a lot of new it, ones. It, it does, and it doesn't sanitize. Oh, yeah, you talk about new ones. It doesn't sanitize these guys from having to deal with the realities that all of us deal with oh, yeah. every day. So we, We've all got, yeah, fam, family issues to deal with, and, and a lot of times we as fans, we just think, oh, these guys are just showing up and go, right. you know, hanging out and going to games and celebrating afterward, and, and that's it. But they've, they've got families at home that they're – Mm-hmm. Dealing with a lot of a lot of major issues. We're yeah. talking with Colin Pinckney here on Unpacking It, Chaplain with the Charlotte Hornets, and and just curious your thoughts on the the All Star experience in Charlotte. Just as as a guy who loves the city, yeah. loves the NBA, loves the Hornets, what was your big takeaway? Man, that was a wow. That was a wow. I mean, I just I didn't. None of us really knew what to expect. I didn't. I was wasn't the team chaplain last time that the All Star game was in Charlotte. And surely that it has evolved over the years, um, and it was wild. It's like I mean, when you see all of that, that all of the not just the fans who come and all that support the game, but the the, the players, the ex players who are in oh, town, yeah. and you see the history of this game. That's not just I mean, we we're always very current in what we're seeing, but when Kareem Abdul Jabbar walks say, in the room, I was like, going to say that, like, dude, that guy's real, and he's tall, man. Yep. these guys are giants, and they're. A lot of times they're gentle giants. I was I was really impressed with the 
the humility of the guys who come back and who honor the game. There's a, there's a brotherhood. There mm-hmm. surely is a brotherhood in this league for those guys. Uh, and to see that in our city, and I think the city did a really good job of welcoming the NBA. And I saw the NBA players and coaches do a lot of positive things in our community for the time they had. I mean, I don't know if you saw what Steph Curry and his family did downtown at the, at the Carol Hefner Center, you know, totally revamped that place. Awesome. Just did some great, you know, great uplift. Uh, gave us a good shot in the arm, and, and I got a funny feeling that they'll be back sooner than later. Oh, that'd here. be great, um, yeah. And, but the, here's, here's the great part uh, that a lot of uh, average NBA fans may not know. Every NBA team has at least one chaplain. Most have two. Mm. And so, and the NBA players have actually, in their uh, bargaining agreement, made it clear that they have to have chaplaincy as part of their livelihood in the NBA. Awesome. So us chaplains are safe, man. We can't be fired or nothing, but that's good. Uh, but we don't get paid either. But but that would mess it up. But the fact that these players who play this game say we need this, and to learn the history of that, that mm. goes back to Bobby Jones and Dr. J. Wow, I didn't know that. It was wow, thirty-one cool. years ago that Bobby Jones and Dr. J, you know, rallied the the Sixers to say, hey, we want this. And the first Bible study. And the NBA was with those two guys and a trainer hmm. 31 years ago. And here they are, and Bobby Jones was here this year. To he was honored. Honored and, and just kind of refresh that and re-up the commitment. And to hear the commissioner, Al, uh, Adam Silver, say, guys, and directly to us chaplains, we see you, we know you're here, and we appreciate you. Thank you for what you do. Oh, that's neat. This was at a special chaplains event. Yeah, special chaplains event. We actually had, during the NBA All-Star Weekend, we were hosted full all three days. Oh. Uh, at the local NBA hotel, we had full access. We got to go to all the events, and we got our own private meetings with NBA, uh, the top brass in the NBA, and several retired players came in to encourage us. Um, and it was just a great feel to see them. And this was the first time they'd done that. Oh, it was. Where they brought, yeah, this is the oh. first time where all the NBA chaplains came to Charlotte. They were part of the NBA event, and as a result of that, we all plan to be in Chicago next year. Man, so we're it's so awesome. we get you know it's getting a little bit it's becoming strategic um, and it's it, to to know to see where we are this year with the NBA All Star Weekend and know the history where it came from, I think it's just one of those it's a testament of God's faithfulness. Yeah, uh, for people who would seek Him that He has made provision. So. Amen. It was it was it was a pretty special time. That, that's really yeah. cool, and and to think how important and valuable it is when the chaplains are connected around the league because these players are going to a chapel service before games. Yeah, you know, every other night of the week, and that's if right. you guys can have some synergy and know what's going on, and that that's big. That is big, and, and you got to think about it. you got you got thirty two teams, you got all these chaplains, and if we can get on the same page, man, we think about the great work oh, that yeah. could be done for the kingdom, and we're so we're we're more excited than ever before, man, to, to really be uh, intentional about the work of chaplaincy for these players and their families, yeah, and, and the coaches. I mean, one of the things that's over the years, especially in Charlotte, has kind of grown is. You know, coaches are starting, and some of the other people in the organization really embracing the chaplaincy process, and some of the top brass, I won't mention any names, yeah, but they, yeah. they really get behind this, so it's a real deal. He's Colin Pinckney. Great to be with you, man. Glad to have you here on the show. Hey, Bryce, you are the best. Love you and love what the Lord's doing in you, man. Keep up the great work. That's Colin Pinckney joining us here on Unpacking It, and he's a chaplain with the Charlotte Hornets, and the executive director at the Harvest Center of Charlotte, and I was out at their golf tournament. They were raising money, 
and uh, was able to sit down with Colin and and just had a great conversation with him. Up next, we're going to do our final segment. It's called Unpack This about Noah Syndergaard. It's next. Inspiring conversations and intriguing interviews. More Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson after this. This is Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson. It's time for our final segment of the day. We call it Unpack This, where I take a current sports story and relate it to the Bible and our own lives. So let's jump right in. This week, New York Mets pitcher Noah Syndergaard accomplished the incredible feat of throwing a 1-0 shutout and scoring the game's lone run with his homer. In Sam Miller's article on ESPN.com, he explains how his friend considers this a true win and says a true win requires two things. The pitcher must complete the game, i.e. he doesn't require any other member of the pitching staff to get outs, and he must have more home runs than runs allowed, i.e. he didn't require any other member of the lineup to contribute. Then, at the end of the article, Miller brings up the truth about a true win and the flawed premise that Syndergaard didn't need his teammates. He reminds us that he didn't strike out 27 batters, he needed his defense. Oftentimes in life, we find ourselves pursuing a true win, trying to do everything on our own. We don't think we need anyone's help or input or support, but then sooner or later realize we need a defense because nothing of significance can be done alone. The other mindset to be cautious of is believing that others don't need our help or support. When we remain laser-focused on our own desires, we forget that people need us to provide them defense and contribute to their lives. Of course, we can't do anything apart from God. His power within us enables us to be generous and care for each other, as well as willingly share with one another. The Bible says, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God and says when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Today, let's make sure we have the proper understanding of what a true win is. And remember, Syndergaard's home run shutout wouldn't have happened without his defense behind him. So I hope you're willing to unpack that for yourselves and really appreciate you joining me today. And hope you'll stay connected with us throughout the week on social media and on unpackingit.com. If you have any thoughts about today's show, you can email me, Bryce at unpackingit.com. Until next time, I'm Bryce Johnson. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sins. He was resurrected, and through faith, I have been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a wonderful week. This has been Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson on Sports Byline USA and Sirius XM, Channel 211, Dan Patrick Radio.